Hey everyone, this is Manny Faces, the producer and host of Newsbeat. Welcome to a very special episode in partnership with Left Forum, a New York City-based nonprofit striving to bring progressives together to share radical ideas for social change, build solidarity, and foster an intersectional movement toward global emancipation. Left Forum hosts an annual conference in the Big Apple that's open to the public and features progressive intellectuals, activists, and scholars from across the globe along with dozens upon dozens of seminars and workshops aligned with its mission. This year's New York City gathering was themed a new strategy for the left. We were honored to be presenters. We also saw it as an opportunity to interview several of its organizers and panelists, many of whom were included in this episode, and really dig into that concept and associated ideas. In this vicious, impossibly fractured political climate, where is the left? What does the true left represent? What is its future? Where does the Democratic Party fit into all of this? And is there any hope for unadulterated leftist ideals and policies to circumvent the pervasive chaos of incestuous, neoliberal self-indulgence, iconoclastic corporate servitude, and manic empire-building deathlust? The Democrats are still largely viewed within the mainstream as the party of resistance, the champions of the underserved and minority communities, the antidote to present-day Trump-fueled anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim, anti-black and brown hate. Compared to Republicans, at a glance, perhaps. Yet, as you might have already heard, a handful of prominent progressives clarify, Trump is but a mere symptom, not the disease itself. And more and more people are realizing what true radicals have known all along. So are the Democrats. With every passing crisis and election, Democrats' right-leaning tendencies and agendas become even more and more strikingly apparent, and the line between the capitalistic elephants and the asses even further blurred. I mean, it was a Democratic president who authored the most consequential crime bill in history to disproportionately enslave folks of color and transform the so-called land of the free into the largest prison state in the world. It was a Democrat, not a Republican, who coined the phrase super predator to further demonize black and brown youth. It was a Democrat who intensified the wars of oil-thirsty Republican predecessors and amplified a global drone war that continues to annihilate innocent people around the world to this day, the same Democrat who set the immigrant deportation bar Trump is so savagely trying to surpass. And it's the Democrats who continue to fill their campaign coffers with corporate millions while refusing to address or make any meaningful reform to rein in Wall Street greed, dismantle the prison industrial complex, tackle income inequality, attack the ever-expanding military and surveillance state, triage poverty, end our worldwide wars, or even attempt to rectify an ever-growing litany of other absolutely critical social injustices. These are just some of the crimes of the two-party system in which the party parading as that of the people has all but disowned its moral progressive compass. Explaining this and much more is activist and perennial Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein. The Democrats aren't fighting. They didn't back Medicare for all in the run-up to the election. It's hard to imagine that they're going to go to the mat to fight for it. We also have journalist, author, Presbyterian minister, and visiting Princeton University lecturer Chris Hedges. So is there a left in the United States? Not much of one. Is the Democratic Party in any way representative of the left? It's not even representative of the traditional liberal establishment. Journalist, political activist, and executive editor of progressive online video news network Black Agenda Report, Glenn Ford. When we talk about what the future of the left is in the United States and what the left uh, ought to be doing, I think we really need uh, to first explain what we're talking about when we say left. What are the actual left forces that are out there and and what are they uh, demanding? An author, economist, 
Professor of Economics Emeritus at University of Massachusetts Amherst, Left Forum board member and co-founder of nonprofit Democracy at Work, Richard D. Wolf. It's an act of blindness not to see the complicity of the Democratic Party, whether it's in the Clinton welfare reform or the failure of the Democratic Party to really mount any kind of mass opposition to what is the worst tax giveaway to the rich. Our extraordinary musical guest this episode is the revolutionary hip-hop duo Rebel Diaz. Well, here we go. This is Abandoning the Left, Why Democrats Can't Save Us. The modern-day Democrats, it's not clear what's changing here. We seem to keep going through this cycle of hope and change and then throwing people under the bus. The Democrats are very big on promises until they have the power, as Obama did, for example, when he had two Democratic houses of Congress, as well as the White House. And in the face of the worst economic disaster in modern times, what did they do? They bailed out Wall Street and they threw working people under the bus. When Bernie Sanders had incredible momentum behind him, the leadership of the Democratic Party and the DNC essentially sabotaged him, interfering in the election. The chief financial officer of the DNC, Brad Marshall, sent an email to three other DNC staffers suggesting that the party should try to get someone to ask you about your religious beliefs. Well, I think it's outrageous, but it is not a great shock to me. I mean, there's no question to my mind, and I think uh, no question to any objective observer's mind uh, that the DNC was supporting Hillary Clinton, was in opposition to our uh, campaign. So I'm not quite shocked by this. Uh, and that is why many, many months ago, uh, I made it clear that I thought Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, should resign, should step down, uh, not only because of the prejudice I think they showed during the campaign, but also because I think we need a new leadership of the Democratic Party, which is going to open up that party to working people. You know, with various untoward games in the election that basically disenfranchised voters that played with the press and essentially sabotaged the Sanders movement. And this is not anything new that you can take this back to Jesse Jackson or Dennis Kucinich as a progressive who was locked out of the debates even within the Democratic Party. Jesse Jackson, who built a lot of momentum for a social democratic, uh, racially diverse wing of the Democratic Party and then basically got crushed inside the Democratic Party. Over and over again, either the Democrats crush their resistance or they incorporate their resistance and they sort of pressure it out of existence. Democrats in charge of the House are, shall we say, will most certainly be continuing their agenda in the fight for that House. During the fight for Congress, during the run-up to the midterms, we saw Democrats blaming and shaming independent voters, focusing on Trump-hating and Russia-baiting. Uh, but I do think that the president uh, continues to cast doubt on whether he accepts the fundamental conclusion that Russia intervened, whether there was a conspiracy or not. He continues to raise questions about it. Indeed, his attempt to retract his statement in Helsinki that he doesn't see why the Russians would intervene, that goes well beyond any allegations of conspiracy. Attacking Trump from the right? not tough enough on North Korea, on Russia, on Syria. Today was indeed another first for the Trump presidency. For that matter, this was a first for the American presidency. Former CIA director John Brennan had this assessment. Well, I was watching the press conference in real time, 
and I was quite shocked and appalled at what I was hearing and what I was not hearing. Today was a new low even for Donald Trump. The way he cowered, seemingly in fear of Mr. Putin and refusing to acknowledge and to equate U.S. intelligence, U.S. law enforcement, the U.S. justice system with the amount of trust and confidence he has in Mr. Putin, outrageous. No room really in that agenda to be attacking Trump for betraying working people and advocating for working people. And in the same way that we saw the Democrats support, again, bank deregulation, which originated right under uh, Bill Clinton uh, back in the 1990s. You heard Senator Graham characterize this bill as a victory for freedom and free markets. Congressman LaFalce characterized this bill as a victory for consumer protection. And both of them are right. And I have always believed that one required the other. It is true that the Glass-Steagall law is no longer appropriate to the economy in which we live. Again, most recently, in the course of the past year, the Democrats were again supporting deregulation and the rollback of the Dodd-Frank controls over predatory banking. We saw Democrats again, 100 percent in the Senate and 75 percent in the House, support an obscene expansion of an already obscene military budget, expedite Trump's judicial appointments to the federal bench. The Democrats aren't fighting. They didn't back Medicare for all in the run-up to the election. It's hard to imagine that they're going to go to the mat to fight for it. Looking at their corporate sponsors, we had large contributions that were predicted to come from centrist Democrats, even for Republicans. Bloomberg was predicted to be the biggest contributor at $80 million and in fact declared his registration in the Democratic Party just before the midterms. You had a major Republican donor, Seth Klarman, the biggest Republican donor in the Northeast, begin giving to the Democrats. You've had Max Boot, you know, one of the big neocons, resign essentially from the Republican Party, not exactly becoming a Democrat, but ceasing to be a Republican. So, you know, we've seen this realignment. We've seen the Democrats once again keep moving to the right and embrace their centrist and corporate base. So if they didn't fight for the people going into the election, it's just unimaginable that suddenly they would have a change of heart and betray their corporate donors and start fighting for single payer or for health, for education as a human right, for free public higher education or ending student debt or reigning in the wars, which they won't even talk about. When they talk about the wars, they're just begging for more war in service of their Raytheon donors and so on. Expectations, I think, would have to be very low. Regardless of expectations, I think the performance of the Democrats as leaders of the House uh, are not going to be good. Nancy Pelosi, in fact, stated in the run-up to the election that she would be bringing back the so-called pay-go rules, which are essentially the budget deficit hawk rules that prevent the funding of critical programs like a Green New Deal or, say, uh, an infrastructure program or even the funding for free public higher education. Truth is, if we don't divest from an economy based on oil, our children's grandchildren ain't gonna have a world. And all that we're saying is just words if we don't save Mother Earth. 
I should have passed it to the left, but they might drop it. Or incarcerate my brothers to go and make a big profit. Since when I heard for Democrats, the resistance. I look around, imperialism's so vicious. But Bernie ain't a socialist. It's so obvious. I bring heat to the Bronx like an Hugo Chavez. I used to like Alexandria Cortez. But she be backtracking like she rocking Cortez. Palestine is occupied, genocide is a fact. But they don't want the APEC to get mad. Super predator. That's what Hillary said when referring to the children that I'm trying to represent. All the women go, we got several Michelle Obama's arms, but her arms around Bush. You recall him buying arms? Going to Iraq, causing all the people harm. We need school walkouts without the fire alarm. When we talk about what the future of the left is in the United States and what the left uh, ought to be doing, I think we really need uh, to first explain what we're talking about when we say left. What, what are the actual left forces that are out there and, and what are they uh, demanding? And both of those questions are, are very important. I think that what we too often do is make assumptions about who the actors are uh, that we'll be collaborating with, that we then call the left, and then say, well, how should they position themselves? So we get uh, this kind of very sterile and I think meaningless strategy of position, which inevitably winds up putting most of these forces that call themselves left, from left liberal to left social democratic, uh, they position themselves then with the Democrats, but just to the left of them, which ironically kind of mirrors or matches what the Democrats do with the Republicans. The Democrats look at the Republicans and see how far right they are. Uh, the Democrats then move to the right to uh, position themselves just to the left of Republicans. A strategy of positioning among assumed left forces for like next year or, or the year after that would probably result in just a positioning of these leftists or progressives with the Democrats and just a little bit to the left of them uh, with the result that they would legitimize uh, the Democrats but accomplish nothing except to embarrass themselves. But we're not going to be embarrassed along with them. We believe that political organizations define themselves by their demands. And that's what we'll be looking towards. What different forces are demanding? What is their response to uh, austerity and war, uh, which are the only things that uh, the ruling class is offering now? They offer nothing else. Uh, they don't even pretend to uh, have a plan to revitalize cities or to really redistribute income. And certainly they don't have any plan to reduce tensions in the world except to defeat their adversaries, Russia and China. So is there a left in the United States? Not much of one. Is the Democratic Party in any way representative of the left? It's not even representative of the traditional liberal establishment. In any other country in Europe, it would be a far-right party. The Democratic Party has worked in tandem with the Republican Party to eviscerate civil liberties, uh, explode our system of mass incarceration, uh, rip down the firewalls between investment and commercial banks, uh, destroy social service programs such as welfare. Our nation's answer to this great social challenge will no longer be a never-ending cycle of welfare. It will be the dignity, the power, 
and the ethic of work. And, of course, uh, mount this relentless campaign against primarily poor people of color by militarizing police uh, in the name of law and order. So, you know, I'm just stunned election cycle after election cycle when self-identified liberals and self-identified members of the left place their hope in the Democratic Party machine, which doesn't even function if you examine it as a political party. It's not a functioning political party. It's corporate money, mass mobilization, People attend conventions or rallies are a little more than pawns, uh, certainly have no say in, in the decisions made by the party. Self-selected candidates. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you for that amazing welcome. If you uh, took away all of the dark and corporate money, uh, all of the Democratic leadership, Pelosi, Schumer, Clintons, they wouldn't exist. I mean, they are creations of Wall Street. That's the problem with the Democratic Party, which was really captured by corporate power, primarily during the Clinton administration, began with Tony Coelho, a congressman from California, when the Democrats realized that if they took corporate money and did corporate bidding, they would have fundraising parity with the Republicans, which they largely do. In fact, Obama, when he ran in 2008, got more. One voice can change a room. And if a voice can change a room, it can change a city. And if it can change a city, it can change a state. And if it can change a state, it can change a nation. And if it can change a nation, it can change the world. The problem with the left is that it is caught up in the same kind of culture wars that the mainstream society is caught up in. Uh, it defines political activism as uh, multiculturalism or inclusivity or, look, enlightened corporate America is not against any of this. It just creates more consumers. And I think the failure of the left is that it forgot about the primacy of justice and in particular economic justice and focused on what I would call boutique activism, became obsessed with it. You can see it on college campuses. And that not only in no way threatens the corporate state, but in fact is, at least among the more enlightened elements of the corporate state, is embraced because it functions as a species of anti-politics. Political campaigns in the United States revolve primarily around manufactured personalities of political figures and what I would call tangential issues to politics. They are important social issues, but abortion, gay rights, guns, Nobody talks about capitalism. It's two wings of the same damn bird. And they gotta balance out so they can fly over the earth. Imposing the will of the ruling class. The owners, the bankers, do I gotta do the math? Ballad of the bullet, to vote or to fight. Why it's one way or the other when you fighting for your life? I reserve the right if that boot is on my neck. Utilize any weapon that will ease the distress. It's a mess. Half the U.S. living check to check. Working hard, wondering where they time and money went. They're tired. Hoping someday to retire after raising sons and daughters. But it's only getting harder. See them wages flatline more than 40 years ago. Around the same time, incarceration rates begin to grow. Now the reality show is in its second season. Who gonna get fired? I said lock them all up for treason, y'all. The Democratic Party has always needed and counted on labor unions, African-Americans, women, young people. It still does. And its job is to convince them that A, anything is better than Trump, and B, they're anything. And they will win a certain number of people to that position. I have no doubt about it. 
it's not scary to vote with the Democratic Party. It is still, not everywhere in America, but in most parts, an okay way to be anti-Trump or to be anti-Republican. It's acceptable. You don't look as though you're a danger to society. That may change, and Trump and his allies are trying to change that, but so far, no. So it, it's a, the least scary, the least upsetting of other people way to express something other than Trump and the GOP. On the other hand, the, the Democratic Party is deeply complicit in everything that is making young people, working people, African Americans, women, and lots of workers beyond that, very upset. It's an act of blindness not to see the complicity of the Democratic Party, whether it's in the Clinton welfare reform or the failure of the Democratic Party to really mount any kind of mass opposition to what is the worst tax giveaway to the rich that we had in December of 2017, a lame opposition to the attack on immigrants that's divided, no mass movement against you know, an economic system whose levels of inequality are, are going back to what we had before the 20th century. The Democratic Party is complicit. It depends financially on pretty much the same social groups that support the Republicans. It is terrified of losing that support for fear that in an economy like ours, where the politics are so dependent on the economic wealth, that to alienate the wealth is to self-destruct, which is a belief of the Democratic Party. When you put all that together, people who are critical of the basic economics of our system particularly, and many of the basic policies that come out of it, they don't find a home in the Democratic Party. So they will do what they've been doing more and more, which is organize outside of it in one way or another. Green Party, uh, non-political party formations of various kinds. Those are signs of people searching for how this will work out. In Germany, which had a comparable period, you ended up with a peculiar coming together of three forces, and that might be a model here too. On the one hand, you have the left wing of their Democratic Party. In Germany, it's the Socialist Party, but it's the equivalent of the Democratic Party. The left wing broke away. The leader there was a man named Lafontaine. He pulled the left wing of that party, a big chunk of it, out, merged with the former Communist Party of Eastern Germany, and gathered together independent leftists because they saw this big, powerful party of two themselves powerful portions of parties. And so that now is called the left party in Germany. It has about 10% of the parliament because they have proportional representation. Maybe something like that will happen here. Maybe a left wing of the Democratic Party will function in some independent way, break away even. Maybe other left-wing groups will understand the need to come together. Or maybe some new formation will happen that will attract all those people I just described into something new. All of those things are possible. And they're being discussed all around the left as the experiences like the West Virginia and other teachers, experiences like the occupation of, at the New School University, little events, big events are teaching the left. Teachers in West Virginia are holding their ground. They say they won't go back to work until they get a 5% raise. The teacher rebellion spreading across the U.S. Teachers in Arizona and Colorado waging vocal battles for better pay and increased school funding. 
Bernie taught Americans that, that millions of people think like this. It's the most important thing he did. He taught millions of people that there are millions of people. We have sent the message that will echo from Wall Street to Washington, from Maine to California. And that is that the government of our great country belongs to all of the people and not just a handful of wealthy campaign contributors and their super PACs. All those people who thought they were the only ones in their family, in their neighborhood, in their workplace now understand there are millions of us. So now the next question is, how do you organize them? Look, Bernie himself has to make this decision. Is he going to run again? And if he does, as a Democrat or as an independent? Last time he ran as a Democrat, because in his judgment, he couldn't have gotten any attention at all. It's hard enough as a, as a dissident Democrat. But now he's the most popular politician in America. Everybody knows who that is. Well, is that enough? He has to answer that question, but the left in general has to answer that question. We see what Bernie can do. We see what we can do outside the party. And the question is, how do you organize that? I ain't never cared about the left or the right. We from the bottom and we willing to fight. Are you willing to ride? Organize your tribe. Organize your tribe. Organize your tribe. I ain't never cared about the left or the right. We from the bottom and we willing to fight. Are you willing to ride? Organize your tribe. Organize your tribe. Organize your tribe. See, you can't just oppose. You gotta propose. Yeah, yeah. And we had to develop it with everybody at the table. Let them know, G. And it probably looks something like this. Stop with housing. Yeah. Homes for everyone at a minimum. No more homeless, no more empty condominiums. Crime. Abolish prisons, free the land, make police obsolete, and until then, community control them. Schools, educate to liberate, school buildings open late, make them learning centers, have the whole hood participate. Health, one doctor every block, preventive medicine, full access, full stop. Jobs, ain't no jobs, be locked on, Google, Amazon, Facebook, replace you with them robot worker trons. All industries disrupted, that's why they work in universal basic income in their budget. But I say fuck it, go above it, give up control of production. And maybe democratic socialism will really mean something. 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 So, uh, pretty infuriating, huh? Sort of makes you want to get up and try and do something about it all, right? Well, you've taken the first step by listening, and we thank you. As always, Newsbeat is brought to you by Mori Creative Studios, a growth-driven New York-based HubSpot partner agency helping companies leverage the HubSpot platform to achieve sustainable digital growth. Check them out at morecreative.com and grow for good. And we want to give a huge thanks to our extraordinary collaborators on this episode, Left Forum. Once again, Left Forum is a nonprofit dedicated to uniting progressives and furthering progressive ideas and policies. Founded in the 1960s, Left Forum hosts an annual conference in New York City that brings together leftist activists, intellectuals, scholars, revolutionaries, and many more, featuring dozens of workshops, panels, plenaries, and presentations spanning the radical progressive spectrum. It's a must-attend and has become an important yearly stop for the Newsbeat team. In fact, the audio interviews you just listened to of Chris Hedges, Glenn Ford, and Richard Wolff were all recorded at the 2018 Left Forum in New York City this past June, where we also were proud presenters and panelists. 
Learn more about Left Forum at leftforum.org and find out how you can support the cause and become involved. The group is actually hosting the first Left Forum in the Bay Area from March 22nd to March 24th, 2019 at the California Institute of Integral Studies at 1453 Mission Street in San Francisco, California. Check out bayarea.leftforum.org for more details about that and tell them the News B team sent you. Now, Harvard University-educated physician, activist, and perennial Green Party candidate Jill Stein has long been an outspoken critic of the current two-party system and a relentless advocate for countless progressive causes. Besides being the Green Party's nominee for President of the United States in the 2012 and 2016 elections, she was also its candidate for Governor of Massachusetts in 2002 and 2010. In fact, some of the Newsbeat crew stood feet away from her outside the 2012 presidential debates at Hofstra University in Long Island when she was tackled to the concrete and arrested by local police. Definitely not one to back down from her beliefs, even in the face of violence. You can learn more about her and her many initiatives on Facebook and at Twitter at at Dr. Jill Stein. Now, executive editor of Black Agenda Report, a member-supported progressive online video news network, Glenn Ford has a storied career of speaking truth to power. A veteran journalist, in 1977, he co-launched, produced, and hosted America's Black Forum, the first nationally syndicated black news interview program on commercial television. In 1987, he launched Wrap It Up, the first nationally syndicated hip-hop music show, broadcast on 65 radio stations. Black Agenda Report's tagline is News, Commentary, and Analysis from the Black Left. Check it out and learn more at blackagendareport.com. Chris Hedges is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, columnist at progressive news site truthdig.com, a New York Times best-selling author, professor in the college degree program offered to New Jersey State prisoners by Rutgers University, and an ordained Presbyterian minister. He's written 12 books, and he's a host of the weekly dissident interview program On Contact on RT.com. Read more of his work and follow him on Twitter at at Chris Lynn Hedges, Chris L-Y-N-N Hedges. Left Forum board member Richard D. Wolf is professor of economics emeritus at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where he taught economics from 1973 to 2008. He's currently a visiting professor in the graduate program in international affairs of the New School University in New York City. He's a co-founder and contributor at nonprofit democracyatwork.info, which advocates for worker cooperatives and democratic workplaces as a key path to a stronger democratic economic system. Learn more about him and read more of his work there and at rdwolf.com. It's Wolf with two Fs. To hear more absolutely incendiary and inspiring verses from our musical guests and dear friends, revolutionary hip-hop duo and Chilean brothers, Rebel Diaz, and to check out some of their other projects, visit rebeldiaz.com. Once again, everyone, I'm Manny Faces, the host and producer of Newsbeat. Thank you for tuning in. There's a full-blown cover story accompanying this episode along with extended guests and musical artist bios and much, much more on usnewsbeat.com. Our unique blend of social justice journalism and original hip-hop is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. So if you dig what you've heard and you want to hear more, please consider contributing to the cause at usnewsbeat.com support. If you want to help us out, you can also take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to this on the web, find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Again, one last extra shout out to the incredible team at Left Forum. Please check them out at leftforum.org. As always, one love. Power to the people. We're out.